Welcome back again, folks, to the Mighty Thorcast. This is episode 7. Uh, my name is Ed. I am one half of the coasting, coasting, one half of the hosting. Although since there are two people, I guess that would make me a co-host, which must be where coasting came in. It sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what. That was. Coast right on into this show. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I'm not sure. <laughs> so, anyways, that's Terry and I'm Ed. Uh, We're gonna try to do a show. <laughs> for all you new folks that might be listening, um, again, welcome to the Mighty Thorcast. Uh, every hopefully couple weeks, Terry and I sit down and we talk about Thor. Uh, we try to do a couple episodes a month. One episode we talk about. All older Thor issues on that episode and on the other, we try to throw in the, some of the current Thor, whether it be the ongoing or a mini series or a one shot or things like that. So this episode, we have on tap two of the 1952 volume Journey into Mysteries, uh, issues 95 and 96, just the Thor portions of those books. And then uh, last month's Thor uh, 615, which the new issue 616 just came out this past Wednesday. So hopefully here in a couple of days we'll sit down and do and cover that one so that we don't end up getting too far behind. All right. So issue 95 of Journey into Mystery. On the cover, we have Thor throwing multiple hammers at Thor, who is whirling his hammer, almost like a helicopter blade, but not quite. We see one Thor talking about duplicate, and so that gives us actually this cover gives us a pretty good idea of what ends up going on in the book. So that's kind of different. They don't always do that. Story opens with Thor in Asgard helping Asgard by uh, causing it to rain. Apparently, they're in the midst of a drought. Odin asks Thor for help, being the god of thunder, the god of weather, in essence. Uh, he starts it raining and then says, uh, well, Dad, i got to go. got some stuff to handle down on Earth. I'll come back up in a couple days and turn this off. So Thor heads back down to Earth where he is assisting another professor who is a colleague of Thor's alter ego, Don Blake, in demonstrating a new green android. That Dr. Blake invented. Yes, I wasn't aware that he was of, of that kind of mind, but apparently he uh, he is a pretty pretty smart guy besides just being a doctor. So the um, other scientist here, let me see if I can pick up his name real quick. Zaxton. Zaxton, Z-A-X-T-O-N. Sounds like a villain already. Sounds like an old console game that uh, used to play. <laughs> Zaxton. No, that was Zaxon, Z-A-X-O-N. Okay. Uh, Zaxton, Dr. Zaxton. So he's... He's been given the controls for this android by Dr. Blake, and he's using those controls to demonstrate the android. First, he has it speak. Uh, right? No. Doesn't speak until later. Um, he has it solve a physics equation that nobody can seem to solve. Uh, he has Thor wail on it with his hammer to show how resilient it is. And then the uh, then the android speaks, but only because something goes wrong. And the android uh, explains basically that he is being short-circuited and somebody needs to do something with him because he's going to blow up and be the equivalent of like a giant grenade in this um, auditorium here. And, and so, you know, he'd kill a lot of the other people that were there to see him. Scientists and stuff. Doctors. Yep. 
So Thor, um, which he does a lot. He, he hooks this android up to his hammer, basically, and whirls the hammer and, and so lets it go throwing the, um, android out the window. And the android blows up and, and the, the hammer returns back to Thor. So, um, you know, without any further investigation or anything, I guess Thor just thought, well, you know, something just went wrong. He goes back to his office and reverts back to Don Blake. Well, when Don Blake gets there, this Dr. Zaxton is waiting for him in his office. Basically, he has a, a, a duplicating machine, Dr. Zaxton does, that he wants Don Blake's assistance in perfecting. Because right now it can only duplicate inanimate objects, and he wants Don Blake to help him duplicate animate living things. And, of course, uh, Blake says no. 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 Life is sacred. We can't go messing with it. Uh, I, I won't do it. And so Zaxton said, well, that's unfortunate because your nurse might want you to do it because I've got her hit out somewhere. And if you want to find out where she is, you'll help me. So, of course, being the person that he is, Blake does indeed help Zaxton, uh, perfects the duplicator to where that it, it will duplicate animate objects that will duplicate living things and while Zaxton is out making using a, it making a litter of kitties <laughs> he's duplicated that one cat about 10 times yeah he's duplicating some hood rats out here no I'm sorry they're actually cats they're not rats uh, which a hood rat isn't a rat anyways but that's another In, anyway yeah. So, yeah. Uh, while he's Playing with the cats, Blake decides that he's going to sneak off and change into Thor, but Zaxton catches him. So now Zaxton knows that Blake and Thor are the same person. Zaxton then uses this new device on Thor, creating a duplicate. But what he didn't tell Thor is that, or uh, excuse me, what he didn't tell Blake is that the duplicates created by this are of the exact opposite disposition of the original that was duplicated. So where there was Thor, uh, the, Good guy. the duplicate of Thor has not the scruples that the original Thor has. Bad guy. So he's, he's evil, so to speak, but he's also under the telepathic control of this Dr. Saxton. So, of course, and I I truly mean that, of course, Zaxton makes his duplicate Thor attack the real Thor. To help him out, Zaxton duplicates the hammer. So now the duplicate Thor has two Mjolnirs and not one. Twice the power. And, of course, Thor is like, you know, he knows what he can do, and he knows what he can do with the hammer. So he's like, wow, you know, I, I know full well what this guy can do. And now he has two hammers. So he's like, well, I, I need to regroup. I, I need to take off and 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 plan me some stuff out here. I, I can't just stand and go toe to toe with this guy. Regroup. So he <laughs> takes off, and the duplicate Thor is uh, is pursuing him. Zaxton duplicates a building in the good Thor's path, and he just runs uh, run, uh, ends up running into it and knocking himself. Eh, for a loop, he doesn't really knock himself out, but he he, he stuns himself. Uh, so the fake Thor with the two hammers comes in on him, and as he's doing that, the, the real Thor uh, gathers his wits and calls down lightning and uses the lightning to stun the bad Thor. But the um, – Zaxton – is close enough by that he creates yet another duplicate Thor and uses that second duplicate Thor to intercept the hammer that the real Thor has thrown to take out the original duplicate Thor. And that second duplicate disappears 
um, which doesn't give Thor the clue that he finds out later about these duplicates. I think that's probably the first clue he has when he sees that one vanish. But he's too busy now still trying to fight that yeah, I, I it think, doesn't really sink in. I think what it was is he just thought that he just like destroyed that duplicate with his hammer. Yeah. So uh, Zaxton is still hanging around. Uh, he, he sees the real Thor trying to get away. So now this time he duplicates several jetliners that are flying by. And all those planes pop up in the real Thor's path, slowing him down and allowing the fake Thor to finally catch up with him. The fake Thor throws both hammers of his hammers at Thor, and it's then that Thor realizes that the fakes just don't seem to quite have the substance of the real because those two hammers hit him and they don't hurt him. They don't do mm-hmm. anything. So at this point, he realizes, well, you know, not only can he take this guy, but he really doesn't have to hold back. So he flings his hammer at the fake Thor and then causes the fake Thor to disappear. He turns and goes after Zaxton, but before he can, um, Zaxton manages to duplicate himself. But then the the duplicator is lost. It falls off the building Zaxton is on, and in the process, the real Zaxton also falls off the edge of the building, uh, falling to his death. So uh, Thor then goes to assist the duplicate of Zaxton, uh, realizing that that Zaxton, because he's a duplicate, will be of the opposite disposition of the original Zaxton, which means that this guy is not going to have the evil motivations of the original. So he'll have all the smarts. Right. So Thor just lets him go, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, no, nobody knowing that this is not the original Zaxton, which I thought was kind of, you know. So um, Thor then rescues Betty and goes back to Jane. Betty, Jane, Betty. Betty is the Hulk. I, yeah. I have no idea where Betty came from. Okay. Uh, the same place, I guess, is the uh, other word. Coast. Of coast. Yeah, coast. Um, my my coast, Terry, and yeah. <laughs> so, um, maybe maybe it's all the Applebee's we just had. It's, <laughs> it's dulled the senses or something. I don't know. Okay. Um, he rescues Jane. Thor rescues Jane. And then he uh, goes back to Asgard and stops the storm that he started. Um, Odin making the making mention that he thought Thor had forgotten, so apparently Thor was gone longer than he said he was going to be. Yeah. Uh, even though we couldn't necessarily tell, everything happened in one day. I thought he said that he was going to be back several days later. So I guess Asgard um, time, Earth time is yeah, it's yeah. different. So and. So then ends that ends the Thor portion of the comic book. And just as a teaser, the title of the next section is pretty cool. It is the Tomb of Tut M. Tut. So um, this portion of issue 95, the Thor portion, was plotted by Stan Lee. It was scripted by R. Burns, and the art, which is probably the penciling and inkling, was done by Mr. Joe Sinnott. Inkling? Inkling. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the inking. <laughs> that quesadilla burger at Applebee's has some power. Sorry, I, I cannot even begin to explain inkling. I have no idea what that – I no idea there. I could kind of explain the other things, but that one is <laughs> – yeah, I'm, I'm not sure where I was. Blame it all on the quesadilla burger. <laughs> yeah, it was laced with uh, something. I don't know. Mystic comic juice or something. I don't know what it was. Okay, so uh, next. I episode 95. Uh, any particular reason why? And I just, you know, we have talked before about how it doesn't really work when you have regular human beings going up against Thor because Thor is, of course, always going to win. Right. But I thought it was kind of neat that we got that insight into Blake and the fact that he is more scientifically minded than we thought. 
And not only that, but um, the foe was another Thor-powered foe, as so we thought at the beginning. So even Thor thought, right? Yeah, you know. So that kind of that kind of leads in. Oh no, what's he going to do? And it's not until the end where the little thought is thrown out that um, well, he's not really worthy to be Thor. Therefore, he does not have the powers of Thor. That whole thing came out. It's kind of surprising to me how easily Thor gave up too. Oh, he didn't give up. Yeah, he did. He didn't try. At first, he didn't try. His first thought was to run. Well, that's because he knew what he could do, and he knew that this 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 Thor, he thought had twice the power. He hadn't really thought far enough into it to where well, this might not well, be able to happen. You know, all he had to do is stand his ground and and take one shot. That's all he had to do. Take one shot, and he would have seen. Could have no, it couldn't. He's Thor. All right. So, but it, I mean, it's it's interesting that they wrote it that way. Yeah. Um, you're right about Doctor Don Blake. I don't know really later on in the series that I ever remember them playing him up to be that smart. I mean, if he can create artificial life like that, that mm-hmm. would put him in the top. With skin that could withstand a blow from Thor's hammer. I mean, hey. You know, he's he's one of the top five minds in all the yeah. Marvel universe, and yeah. I don't know that they've ever put Blake up that high. Well, we'll have to see if they if they so. continue on with that thought process or not as we work our way through. But anyway, I like the story. Okay, good. That's interesting to hear because it wasn't in Asgard. And those those typically have been the ones that you like. Been the ones that I like too, but Yeah. But this one was okay. Yeah, you're right. Even though he was a human opponent, he it was kind of a a cut above as far as what he yeah. tried to do. All right, issue 96 of the 1952 volume of Journey into Mystery. Let's see, on the cover of this issue, we see Thor fighting Merlin. Yes, folks, that Merlin. But they don't call him Merlin the Magician, they call him Merlin the Mad. Yes, because he's evil. He must be mad. Not to be confused now, guys, with the Merlin that's on the TV show on NBC. I forget. It's got the young Merlin and the young King Arthur. But it is the same Merlin. It's the Merlin from King Arthur. Well, but this isn't played like that Merlin. Well, no, this Merlin is evil. But the character's the same, supposedly. Yes. This issue opens with Thor returning from another mission to the offices of Don Blake, turning into Don Blake and coming out of a lab that he apparently hastily ran and locked himself into uh, several hours beforehand while he had patients in the office. But he had to go rescue the busload of people. So basically he ran out on his patients into this lab, locked the door, and jetted off his Thor and then came back. Yes. Well, see, I agree with with uh, Jane. That's that's pretty crappy. And, boy, she gives him what for, too. I'm telling you. Uh, several... But I don't think she would have gave him what for if she had known that he was leaving. Wow. And the patients wouldn't have left angrily if they had known that, oh, well, he's off rescuing a busload of people. But they can't know that. I know. So. Same. But she does. She gives him down the road for doing it. And how can he be a real doctor? And what's that going to do to his practice? And and uh, she. she, And she won't have a job anymore. Yeah. She rails on him. Mm -hmm. And uh, while she is, Don Blake flashes back to what drew him away as Thor. Mm -hmm. Apparently a bus, a city bus. Uh, had some kind of accident and went off a bridge into the bay. And Thor heard the news on a, the radio or police scanner and went to rescue the bus and uh, used, used his old trick of securing the bus to the hammer and then flinging the hammer towards the bus terminal where the hammer – Gently lands the bus, detaches mm-hmm. itself, mm-hmm. and returns to the hands of Thor. Yes, it's a wonderful hammer. So, okay. Uh, still, Jane is giving 
Don Blake some some what for, and the two of them in his office there hear a news flash on the radio about them opening the crypt of Merlin at the local museum. So now we cut to the museum where they're opening Merlin's crypt or his tomb. Uh, they call it a crypt, his crypt. And upon opening it, they find Merlin laying inside uh, as if nothing was wrong but him being asleep, not looking like something that had been buried or preserved for over a thousand years. So so that means that uh, King Arthur was in 963. Okay. Uh, the scientists adjourn to to discuss their newfound discovery, which I think they would immediately want to start doing stuff to the body or something, but no, they retreat away to talk about. Well, it. they have to retreat away so that he can right come pop out up and come out and go do evil, which he does. And and I, I like his his look. His look is always one eye bigger than the other. Yeah, I know. Hmm. Which, the little sinister thing. Yes, which is the mad look. <laughs> uh, although any of you that have uh, watched. So you think you can dance. Uh, Adam Shankman does the one eye large all the time. Doesn't make him look big. No. So. All right. Merlin is now awake and um, plotting nefarious deeds. Finds a paper and uh, finds out, you know, what wh when he is. Finds out that the, the leader of this land is. Uh, President Kennedy, and decides that what he's going to do is he's going to play Kennedy like he played King Arthur. And then there's a flashback of a couple occurrences where he supposedly did things for King Arthur, but he didn't really do anything special. Just tricked him into thinking he was some big, powerful kind of thing. Um, because really... And this is interesting. I would, this, this is just interesting. Uh, Merlin says that he's not a magician. That really what he is is a mutant who can, what, teleport? Mm -hmm. Read? Telepathy? Read minds. He can. Levitate? Levitate, teleport, and he has telepathy. Mm -hmm. So, uh, any of the other things he did with special uh, uh, fireworks and, and tricks and whatever in King Arthur's time. Basically, those were the only three things he could really do. So he sees an article about a new satellite that's being launched and teleports himself to the, the uh, spaceport to mess with the rocket because what he's going to do is he's going to then Tell the public, like the president and the public, see what I can do. You need to to let me have yeah, show power. A, a an example of his power by making this rocket go bad, which I don't know, just yeah, doesn't sound very well thought out by him. Uh, Don Blake hears a report on the TV this time that there is a runaway rocket, so he changes into Thor and goes uh, to the rocket. Um, basically changes the, the, the angle of the r rocket's flight to where it's no longer a problem. Quickly runs by Asgard to make sure Loki is still there. And Loki says, yeah, I'm, I'm here. Sorry, dog, it wasn't me, but it was this Merlin dude. Uh -huh. So he kind of, he puts a, a name in Thor's ear and tells him about Merlin. Um, Thor, I guess as Don Blake remembers that there was this stuff going on at the museum with Merlin. So he goes to the museum to see and they tell him, yeah, you know, basically we opened this thing up and there was a body there, but there's not now and we have no idea where he is. Uh, Merlin uh, turns up at a local police station and commands them to get in touch with Thor who Merlin has now heard about because he fixed the rocket and uh, they laugh at him. <laughs> tells him to get a hold of Thor. He wants to fight him, and they laugh at him as being some kind of crazy nut job. 
which he then teleports himself to Washington and listens in on um, President Kennedy playing with his daughter. He doesn't believe he's the president, though. He says he's too young. Yeah, because he's too young. I think that's yeah. kind of funny. Yeah. Um, Thor went is is you know tracking down this Merlin, and so he ends up going to the police station, and they tell him what they heard Merlin say, even though they don't necessarily believe him. So now Thor goes uh, indeed to DC and crashes in on Merlin. Uh, tries to subdue Merlin, but Merlin uses his mutant powers and avoids avoids uh, Thor's attack. He, he threw his hammer, and then he uses his um, telekinetic. Well, see, this is telekinesis—the ability to move things with his mind—and he said that he didn't say that was one of the things he could do. But basically, he uses his concentration to stop Thor, basically to, to paralyze him and freeze him in place. And when he does, he then runs away, uh, takes the Washington Monument, and basically sends it at Thor like a giant spear. Instead of uh, destroying the monument, Thor kind of knocks it with his hammer, changing its trajectory, and then sets it back where it's supposed to go. Uh, Merlin picks up a building, the Pentagon, I'm sorry, he picks up the Pentagon and uh, telekinesis, which again, I don't think was one of the powers he said. Teleportation, telepathy, and levitation. So, so he's levitating. He's levitating these buildings. But I yeah. thought levitation was when you do it yourself. No, I, I think it's just levitating anything. That's okay. That's, okay. They call that telekinesis now, the ability to move objects with your brain. In this book, it's levitation. Well, in this book, is wrong. Okay. He uh, levitates the Pentagon, and uh, he must move it because he's going to land it on Thor, but Thor quickly digs a, a trench in the ground and lays down in the trench. Basically, Merlin just ends up playing the building over top of Thor, not hurting him. So Thor digs his way out. Um, Merlin then animates uh, Lincoln's statue in the uh, Lincoln Monument, I guess is what they call mm -hmm. it, and sends it after Thor. Basically what Thor does is he spins his hammer fast enough to create an air blast that uh, sends the animated statue back to his seat and actually causes him to sit back down, uh, which I guess Merlin must give up on trying to control it because it sits down and it just stays down there. Um, okay, let's see what we're doing here. I don't know, understand exactly why he thought this trick would work on Merlin. I mean, it does. But he changes himself back into Blake to confound Merlin. And I don't understand why it so scares Merlin that he can do that, that he gives up. I guess. That was kind of anticlimactic to me. With everything else, uh, it, you know, I guess what he's doing is, is saying he's so powerful he can change from this big hulking Thor dude to this little dude, and he tells him, and this little dude is not the only thing I can change into. I'm just giving you a taste of what I can do, and I guess Merlin finds that intimidating enough. I guess so. I don't know why it's that intimidating, but yeah, okay. I don't know. Uh, so basically, Merlin gives up, and uh, Blake says, okay, I'll, I'll let you go, but if you do one thing. Otherwise, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna keep coming after you. I'm gonna change form, and um, so he tells Merlin that what he wants him to do in order to not attack him is uh, put himself back to sleep for another thousand years. And then, you know, of course, Merlin is pretty bright. He's like, "Well, how do I know you're not gonna kill me?" 
while I'm asleep. And basically he says, well, you have my word. <laughs> okay. Um, so Thor then goes back to the museum to check, and, and sure enough, there's Merlin uh, asleep in his crypt. And basically, you know, they decide to, to lock it back up and everything. And uh, the last panel is of Dr. Blake and, and Jane talking about a an operation that Blake just finished up and, and Jane giving him some accolades instead of the brow beating she opened the issue with. It's like, okay, you're you're very poor at your being a doctor. Not being a doctor, Practice. but putting your priorities. She Pro- doesn't okay. think he puts his priorities right. And she's like, well, okay, your priorities aren't very good, but you are a magician at the table. Mm, okay. And she and he thinks, honey, you didn't know it, honey. Yeah, well, you know, that's that's some of that 1963 male-female kind I of. I guess so, honey. Honey, yes. <laughs> All right, and, and so ends... Uh, the Thor portion of Journey into Mystery issue 96. So, what would you think about that? I didn't like it as well as 95. No. Yeah, was, I thought it was very, very anticlimactic when when Merlin just gave up. It's like, oh shoot, this book's gone long enough. We only have three more panels. Let's let him give up. I'm like, okay. Could have been what they did. I, you know, who knows? <laughs> it's like, oh, we need to give up now. <laughs> um, I find it interesting that they made Merlin a mutant. I, uh, I've seen Merlin in other books in the Marvel Universe, and he was never a mutant before. I, I just wonder if um, they ignored it or the people that used Merlin never checked back at, at previous appearances or how that – because what that would do is that would make Merlin among the oldest living mutants on the planet. Mm-hmm. There's not too many mutants that uh, I had run into, and I was formerly a very big X-Men fan. Um, any other mutants? I can only think of one. I can only think of one that would be older than him. So. And this one was also – 96 was also plotted by Lee, scripted by Burns, and the art was Sonat. Okay. All right, so Terry, you want to tell us a little bit about uh, the 2007 volume of Thor, issue 615? Okay. Let me just say we're starting a new story. We finished up our um, the Seer story last time, so this 615 is the start of a new story. It's a new artist, a new writer. And I'm not sure. Is Hollingsworth the same inker? Uh, I don't know. He's probably new, too. Okay. But Fraction is our new author, and Fairy is our new artist. And I think it's going to take me a while to get used to Fairy's art, but I'll I'll overcome. I really will. But we're starting a new story. And this one, it just – I don't know if it's the art or if it's just the way the story's told. It's just so different from the one we just left. It's so very different. But we start out with um, – there's an interview going on, and this gentleman, he's a doctor, and he has this theory that he wants to expound to someone. And we have no idea through the whole book until we get to the end of the book who he is expounding it to. But he's talking about the um, theory of um, displacement. And he's making eyes at Jane and asking where she's from. He's he's a masher. But anyway, his whole theory is he's, that he's, he's a masher. A, I said. a masher? A masher. What is a masher? A masher is a man who is thinking lewd thoughts about a woman that's not of his – not in his um, – that he doesn't know. That's a masher. Okay, I'm. She is not of if, if, if his, of his social circle. I'm not familiar with You're that word. You're not familiar word. with that word. Okay. No. Okay. Wow. okay. A masher. Okay. He's a, yeah. He's a okay. Okay. His name is Dr. Eric Solvang, and I'm not sure if that's going to be important or not. But here we go. He's his theory is the displacement theory. He's saying that if Asgard is not 
where Asgard should be in the whole scheme of things, that Asgard is leaving a void where it should be and causing disruption throughout the whole universe. That's kind of his theory. And he goes on for, for many, many pages to expound this theory to whoever this person is that he's talking to, trying to explain. He's, he's trying to explain it intellectually, and it's not getting across. So then he starts using little cups of creamer, trying to say, okay, if this creamer cup is here and you empty it out, then it's empty. And if something goes, I mean, he's being very, he goes from being very scientific to very, being very simplistic, trying to get his point across. And then we cut off to the elf world. Alfheim? Is that how you say it? Alfheim? And we see the elves, and, and it's very cold there, I'm assuming, because we're very blue. Our color scheme is very blue here. And they are playing and laughing and, and having fun, except for this one guy and this girl that he likes convinces him that he should be having fun, too. He's he's the serious elf. He's the serious elf, but she's trying to convince him, oh, just come on out and join us. Are you afraid of having a little fun? Fun's good. So he goes out to have fun, and the whole elf kingdom gets attacked by this other kingdom. And instead of tasting snowdrops on his tongue, he's tasting blood of his people as they're being massacred. And these are very evil people, and they are very red and they're saying kill them, kill them all. And they've they've slaughtered, and the guy calls back somehow to his home, ship, planet, whatever, speaking to his lord about how they have slaughtered and they have done exactly what they were expected to do, and they expect domination in a matter of hours, and in your name, Father, in this glorious and brutal name, hail Lufania Thoth. Not quite sure who Uthana Thoth is. Do you know, with your vast knowledge? No, Uthana Thoth is just—I think it's a new, you know—it's—it's it's the the evil for this story. Okay, but anyway, the Lord Uthana Thoth, however you say his name, just tells him to keep going. That that you have to slaughter them all and seize their space and make it ready for our arrival. And what I got from this was that the little scientist Eric at the beginning, with his displacement theory possibly had an inkling of what might possibly be going on, because I'm kind of getting the vibe from this that there is something wrong happening that's causing these these, these people that are, that are traveling out and, and slaughtering, trying to take over other lands. There's something wrong with the land that they come from, and they're having to leave it. So I'm, I'm wondering if this time warp thing that the loss of Asgard is causing some kind of rift and causing these other worlds to start having problems of, uh, and maybe disintegrating and voiding, and so therefore they're having to move on and try to find another place to take over so that they have some place to live because where they are at is no longer going to be livable for some reason or another. Because um, he says the survival of Anno Ithox depends on the success of this mission. Now, first, I think that the scientist dude Eric is just explaining mathematics to them. I don't think he necessarily has an inkling that something is going on, but basically he's saying that, you know, my 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 supposition mm-hmm. is that all of this, but I don't think he has any more knowledge that anybody else has that this is going on somewhere well, else. Well, no, I don't because personally, so, I also don't think that he even think knows that there are anybody else. No, he's he's to a, have the thought. I mean, he doesn't know that that Antho Athox or the um, Elfim even exist. Right. He he's he's a theorist, and he's saying well, theory says that. Mm-hmm. Asgard moving, but so. they say that the survival depends because the all space contracts around us and does not collapse simply because it will. We will it to be. Yeah, something. So, so something's causing where they're supposed to be to to disintegrate, to to no longer be. Right now, how about this as a theory? Okay, giving give, given what little so far we've seen of them. Perhaps they are a species that just consumes, and perhaps the area of space, whether it, it be a planet or a dimension or whatever you want to call it, of where they are currently located 
they have consumed everything to the extent that they they must now leave it because it cannot sustain itself because they have consumed all of it. And so they are just merely looking for somewhere else to go to to start consuming again. Okay, but that doesn't like buy into the whole theory of what Dr. Eric was talking. See, I thought that they had the Dr. Eric at the beginning with his time displacement theories mm-hmm. so that we could then carry that forward into why these people and are attacking. And if they're just attacking because that's the way they are, like um, – Locust? No. no. Like, like um, Worf. What was Worf on Star Trek? Klingon. Klingons. Klingons just went out to battle and take over and kill because that's what they did. Right. It's not that they wanted the goods of the people that they were – they just wanted to go destroy people and then move on to the next ones and destroy them and move on to the next okay. ones and destroy them. Not because of the wealth or anything, but just because they were the fighting people. Well, the scientist is talking about a cause and effect. Right. Basically. And these people just do what they do. They don't understand necessarily that there's some bigger power that has made them the effect tied to the cause, which is the moving of Asgard. So they would just be doing what they normally do without realizing that they're part of a bigger scheme. So, But I'm, what I'm understanding of your theory is that even if there wasn't something wrong with their world and their world was disintegrating, they would still be going out and killing and marauding and trying to Somewhere. take over. Somewhere. But see, that's not what I get. Okay. I get the only reason they're out moving forward is because they're they're worried about the survival of their race, and their race can't survive where they were because that is is – is is disintegrating. Right. So that's why they're coming forward to take over other areas so that they will have some place to survive and live, not because they just want to kill these people. No, no, no. They they are doing it as part of what they do. They go somewhere, basically they suck it dry and they move somewhere else. We're seeing them just as they're finishing sucking something dry, moving somewhere else and the somewhere else that they have moved to happens to be a part of Asgard. Now, the scientist dude is saying that the happens to be part of Asgard is not happens to be. That the reason that they're attacking there, even though, I mean, he doesn't know specifically, but putting the two stories together, the reason they're attacking there is because Asgard is no longer where it's supposed to be, and they are somehow being drawn in. All, See, all I am seeing is a people doing what they naturally do. I don't see a connection so far between what they're okay. doing and see, what has happened. See, I'm not seeing it as Asgard. people doing what they naturally do. I don't assume that these people naturally go to other other places and kill off everybody. I'm assuming they're only doing it because of their survival instincts because they have to leave where they are in order to find another place to survive. Not that they have to leave where they are just because they want to kill somebody. They, I mean, they, those kind of people go back. Let's go back, regroup. Get our strength back. Let's go out and kill somebody else. Now let's go back home, regroup, restrength, go out and kill somebody else. But you're okay. saying that that's what they naturally do. They just go from place to place to place killing. Like, I'm saying they're going from place to place because they can't survive where they are anymore because it's disappearing because of this disintegration theory. Right. Um, See, that's different to me. And the way that you say it, you're right. It is different. But let's look at this race as galactic locus. But we don't know that yet because all they've said is that we have we have to move forward, continue what you're doing because we, we have to move forward right. because we're running out of time. But locusts, so I don't know where you're getting your theory of this is just what they do and they go from place to place and they kill everybody. Because there's nothing that so far has said otherwise. But there's nothing so far that said that that's what they are. The Whereas truth. something has been said, we have to move forward because we can't survive where we are. The, our time is running out. You have to find us another place to go. I mean, that's been said. But the way that they act, uh-huh. they're they're vicious and they're, well, they're violent. Very, they are very violent, but that doesn't mean that they travel from place to place and just massacre. Very much like locusts. Look at locusts. They will move in somewhere. They will they will completely strip all vegetation. That is naturally what they do. When they're done with that place, they move back, not because. It's what they want to do, but because 
they don't have in this location what they need to, to sustain themselves because of the way they naturally do things. Okay. So they have to move on somewhere else. I just don't, I just don't think else. we can leap to the conclusion yet that they're going that they're doing all this just because they're a warring nation and like to defeat people. Um, okay, I'm not sure the way they're drawn and everything. What other conclusions? Well, yes, the way to. they're drawn is that they are meaner, more violent, warlike people than the Elfins. Yes, like, but I thought that, that was rather an exaggeration. You have the Elfins that are drawn very, you know, childlike and innocent right. and and frail, and then you have these people that are coming and killing them, drawn very forceful and powerful and mean and and red and and angry, but in their anger, they're also telling you, you have to do this. We are running out of time, right. and that sort of gives you an idea of why they're being so forceful and angry. Not that that gives them just excuse mm. to be so. I'm just saying that it kind of explains. I just I don't see any evidence of them just being warfaring people. I, I see them as desperate. People who have a cruel okay. mentality, therefore they have no qualms about not going to another planet or another area and saying, let us live with you because our place is, is, is disappearing and just being destroyed and we have nowhere else to go. No, they're more of the mindset of let's just go take over. We'll have a place to be. Okay. So anyway, all of that wardom is happening in Elfin land and they're being massacred and Sif goes to find Thor. To tell him that Balder has made himself scarce, and without someone to direct the reconstruction, everyone's worried Volstag will come around, and we we need you, we need you, we need you, we need you. And Thor, only he can think about is Loki. Now, at the end of the at the end of the other, Loki died. Uh, yeah, not somewhere in not, somewhere in somewhere in the the six hundreds at the begin the beginning of this, Loki is dead. Yeah. And Thor can't yeah. seem to get over the fact that his brother is dead, even though his brother was pure evil. He didn't – there's a part of him that didn't – because that's the way Thor is. He's a very upstanding, fine young man. And he's just really lamenting the fact that, that someone so wicked, yet, you know, he was my brother. I was happy with him growing up. He was my brother. And he misses him. And so he, he takes off from Sif, and this is the first time I've ever seen Donald Blake talking to Thor in his head. Yeah, I've not you know, he's seen like, this. He's, and, it's, and I don't particularly like the tone. I just, I'm not thrilled so far with this writer either or the artist, but maybe it'll all grow on me. This is the first issue, but, you know, he's like, well, you know, you just left your girlfriend on a horse down there and so you can make a good brooding exit, right? And he's one to talk about. Yeah, good brooding exes because of him and Jane all the time. Yeah, really. So. And Thor's telling him to shut up, and he's like, well, you know, you're just taking your bad mood out on me. And Thor's telling him to shut up, and he's like, well, you know, you need somebody. You need somebody to help you. You need a partner, and the woman is not your emotional punching bag, blah, 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 blah. And Thor's like, you know, if I could, I would, I would kill you, but I can't because you're in my head. And Blake's like, well, I hate you too. And it's like all of a sudden we've turned into a schizo or something. Yeah. And I don't particularly like that writing right there. I'm just, no. it, it's not thrilling me, but we'll see where the story goes. This is only the first one in the new series, so we'll see where it goes. So anyway, we get, we cut back to Eric, our doctor, who's trying to explain to this person that we can't see, but now there is a wide array of empty plates and glasses in front. So I think we're about to find out who it is. But he's really still trying to explain, and he's, like, getting really frustrated, I do believe. And whoever it is that he's speaking, speaking to says, well, I am Asgard's greatest man of science. And if you cannot explain it to me, then why in the world do you think you can explain it to anybody else in Asgard? Because I have the most brilliant mind that there is. And he's like, are you sure there's not somebody else I can talk to? Please. <laughs> and he's and he's so he goes into this other thing. He's like, okay, you have a tree and 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 the world and in my cup and and he's trying to to get him to understand. He's like, Asgard is empty and nature abhors a vacuum. There's nothing there, so something has to fill up the space where Asgard used to be. And then for some reason they cut to Jane, who is now a doctor. She's no longer a nurse. She's a doctor now. And she's going to the office where her and Dr. Blake are equal partners. 
now? I guess in uh, some portion of this volume of Thor prior to where we started, uh, the I think he must have set up his office in Broxton because mm-hmm. I know Broxton got really hammered uh, during the siege storyline. So mm-hmm. that must be what they're doing. They're recovering from that. Yeah. Yeah. And and she's all and I'm not quite sure. I'm sure that must have some significance in the furthering story plot yeah. as we go along. But now we know that that Jane is a doctor and she is partners with Dr. Blake and they're in the same practice together. And then we move on to Asgard, and Thor, Thor is back in Asgard, and they're hailing him as king, that he's returned, and Thor's like, no, I'm not king. Where's Baldar? Because last I heard, Baldar was king. That's me talking, not Thor. Yeah. And um, he's, he said, well, he's he's lost. He's lost his composure. He's... His mind is not where it should be, and Baldar is, is sorting through the Asgardian wreckage, is what I'm getting from this. And he finds Odin's head. And because of that, he says that he was supposed to protect Asgard. And because of that, that he did not do his job properly. Yeah, I think that the head is the head of a statue. Yeah, I'm sorry. Of of, of Odin, he yeah. he's in Odin's go, going through the wreckage and everything. He wanders across Odin's trophy room, and uh, one of the trophies in there must have been like some kind of figure of Odin that has become uh, broken up, and and he he starts ruminating over the head of Odin, how he has allowed this to befall the image of Odin as kind of a metaphor for what he has allowed to befall all of yeah. Asgard. Okay. Sorry. And Thor does his bolstering. I need you to be strong. I need you to be king. I need you to get your head about you. I need you to to do what it is that you're supposed to do. I need you to take the task at hand and and just move forth and you are king. And if you ever want to see this city shining again, you better be king. Please give him the good old pep talk. Yeah. Locker room. Rah, rah. That's Get it. out there. Let's do it, boys. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. That's right. And, and Balder does so. He's like, all right, I can do it. And then Hemdall, who is the one who sees things. Right? Was it, isn't it Himdall that sees things? Yeah, he is. That they go to because he's a seer. He can see. He can see. He's a prophet, kind of. Well, he he's the guardian of the bridge, and because of that, he can he can see and hear things at the other end of the bridge before okay. they even approach, which is in a, in a whole other dimension. So his senses are such that he can sense these things in other dimensions. Okay, and Thor comes upon him, and he's he's in distress, and he says, "What, what, what?" And he says, "I can see death." Yeah. So we're we're I'm now assuming that he is being able to see what's happening at Elf Elfheim. If if not see it, seeing sensing somehow yeah. he's sensing yeah. the slaughter that's happening at Elfheim. Right. Of the people, but that's as far as that goes. And then we switch back to Eric, the doctor, <laughs> who's still trying to explain his theory and getting nowhere. And he's saying that he's, and finally he gets frustrated and gets very animated. And he's like, don't you understand? Something is coming. Something is going to happen. I'm telling you that because of where Asgard is not, because it's not where it's supposed to be, that something cataclysmic is happening, that there's going to be some grand, great thing, and everybody's going to die. And I think he's afraid that his theory is such that even everything, everything in the universe is going to be, is going to be, destroyed because of this one thing has caused a rift and he's like then we find out who it is he's been talking to the whole time yes it's it's volstag and anybody that knows anything about the thor universe knows that volstag is not the greatest scientific mind in all of asgard so uh, my take is that this Scientists petitioned Asgard to speak to one of its peoples, and either Volstagg took it on its on his own, or 
or Balder said, you know, um, somebody, somebody uh, Volstag, go go see what this guy wants or something because there is absolutely no reason why Volstag would be representing Asgard to anybody. Although he's having quite a lot of fun but, with it because he he's talking here. about my scientific mind and oh and he's he's not taking it seriously at all. No. So. He's like, um, explain your theory to me again. He tells Eric to start all over again, and Eric's like, can I talk to somebody else? Yeah, so it's. Uh, but I thought it was in the in a way it was a very interesting way for the writer to try to explain hmm. what. I feel he is going to continue on with in this new series, this new story, because he couldn't just have Anthrox Thor, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, um, attack the Elfham world without some sort of explanation. Right, right. And rather than telling us outright, you know, having them tell us outright what they're doing, because I don't think he really wants us – to think that they fully understand why they're having to do it. Because I don't think any of them understand. I think Eric is the only one that has any idea, any inkling. I think the rest of them are just, this is happening and, and they're, they're kind of knee-jerk reacting to it. I don't think that, I don't think that the warring nation understands that their place is disintegrating because Asgard's not where it's supposed to be. Yeah, see, I didn't take that that's why it's going on. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see as the story continues. I could be very wrong. This is just what I'm like perceiving out of the story. If that even gets covered. Yeah, if it even. I mean, we'll see. The, the writer may never say all of the why's this and why's that just <laughs> goes forward with the story. <laughs> so, okay, so you didn't like Pascal Ferry's art. Not really. Not really. Uh, but you said you didn't really like Fraction's writing, but there are parts of it and methods that you found interesting. Yeah, I'm 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 the art is because it is in this issue, it may not continue. In this issue it seems much more cartoony mm-hmm. than the art of the of the previous art artists in the previous story that we just finished. It was much more serious. I don't know quite how to put it. This I just get a whole Kids cartoony feel from this one. I don't know if it's all the blues and the pinks and the, I don't know if it's all the pastels that are being used or what, but I'm just, I'm not getting. Well, now, you know, that, the previous story was a, just a completely different toned story than what this is. Yeah, I know. And, and I thought that that art worked very well with that tone of story. I did too. Now, I wouldn't say that the art wouldn't match this story's tone, but it would not be as good a match as it was previously because this is just – this is a different story. This is – first of all, it's it's a lot more earth-focused mm-hmm. than what the other was, so it doesn't have to be as horrifying and as scary as going into hell, you know, um, so – in a way, that kind of works for what's going on because different story, different art tone. Now, like you said, I will say that those those pages that use the the alien race, everything was very red. The creatures were, the background was, everything. In uh, Alfheim, where the elves were, the elves were blue. Everything was blue. The sky was blue. It was, you know, everything was blue. Now, yes, those are very different conventions than what we were seeing with the previous story. But I think that this chubbier-cheeked and rounder kind of art that Pascal Ferry does definitely would not have worked with the previous story because it's just not, you know, it's a completely different tone. Well, even when you look at the, the few times, because Thor's not in this book a lot, right? but when you look at the face of Thor – it's the whole rendering of of everyone is more cartoon and less lifelike. Okay. And I I don't I guess I just prefer the the more lifelike the more 
It is, it is very different, and I'm glad at least they didn't do this in the middle of a story. Yeah. Because the art is so, so mm-hmm. different between the two. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, the, the art didn't necessarily bother me as much, um, I guess, because to me it's a, it's a different story. So kind of, you know, I, I make more allowances for art shifts when, when stories change. Um, I can't explain necessarily to you why I think certain things about the story. I think what it is is, is probably just years and years of reading comic books. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I look at things through those glasses, whereas you don't have that to, to look through. So you, you're seeing them, you know, we're, we're close in what we are thinking. And the end result, I'm sure we're thinking, you know, pretty much the same. But to me, what's intriguing is a lot of the whys and wherefores between the beginning and the end, um, which we seem to to differ quite a bit on. And we'll see as the story progresses. What they say and what, what they say and what, what turns sure. out to be. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, there you go, guys. There is uh, issue 615 of Thor. And like I said, that was uh, – uh, this is uh, October. A week ago, Wednesday. <laughs> so that was September's um, issue. And the October issue, 616, just came out this past Wednesday as we're recording this on Friday. So uh, next episode, we will be talking about Journey into Mystery episode uh, issues 97, 98, and 99. And then hopefully the episode after that will get to um, Thor issue 616, which is an interesting number because that's the Marvel Comics designation for the main Earth is it's Earth 616 as opposed to Earths in other dimensions and all this kind of stuff. So the, the home dimension of the Marvel Universe is Earth 616, oddly enough. Um if you guys uh, do want to contact us about this, um, about, um, you know, some of you guys out there listening and, and gals, I don't mean guys as in gender. I'm, I just mean guys as in people. Uh, please, you know, let us know about your thoughts about uh, Matt Fraction and, and Pascal Ferry being on, on this book. Uh, Matt Fraction is a is a rock star right now in comic book writing. Pascal Ferry, I've I've run across before, and I, I'm not sure that his star right now is burning as brightly as it used to, but you know he he still gets his share of limelight. So uh, you guys out there, you know, g- give us your thoughts on that. If if you don't want to give us your thoughts on Thor itself, which would be cool too, since that's what we podcast about. But you know, it's it's up to you guys. Um, email is the Mighty Thor Podcast at Gmail dot com. Our website is at comicbooknoise slash Thor, and we do have our fan page on Facebook, which is holding pretty steady at uh, 25 to, to 30 likes um, on it. So it, it's it's hanging in there. Uh, if you can, keep up with the fan page because as things have been coming about coming out about the Thor movie coming out next summer, I've been posting a lot of those tidbits on the on the fan page rather than the website itself. As um, all of the more family podcasts do, we want to thank Mr. Derek Coward uh, quite a bit for his assistance and 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 direction in in doing this podcast and and the other podcasts that we have. And just to go ahead and and uh, blow a horn there, uh, uh, Terry Ann and myself also do a podcast about the dance reality show. Uh, fad that's going on right now. We're currently talking about Dancing with the Stars because that's the show that's on, but we also make mention about um, So You Think You Can Dance Canada, which is running, uh, a new show starting up next season with Paula Abdul and its parent show in England. We talk about all those on our most recent episode of the Dance Fever podcast, which is also hosted by the Deliberate Noise Network, as is all the comic book noise podcasts. So if any of you guys out there are interested in that or know that uh, know of anybody that would be interested, point them that way and we would appreciate it. Uh, to track Dance Fever down, there is a 
fan page on Facebook that has all the contact information there, so you can you can hunt us down on there as well. Um, Terry, anything, any any last remarks you uh, you want to add? Just be sure to come back and and listen, and we'll get further into the mythos of Thor with the older issues, and hopefully in six sixteen we'll find out who's right about why the uh, warring nation is on its war path between Edna and uh, we can't wait to hear your comments and see what you think. So contact us. All right. Well, there you go, guys. We appreciate you for listening into this one and, and hope you'll stick with us uh, next time, too. So we'll talk to you guys in another couple days or weeks whenever the next one gets posted. Thanks for listening to this. See you later. Bye. Bye.